The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Murkowski. Is the BLS report a bunch of BS? Should we let the market recover on its own with these numbers? Or watch the Federal Reserve continually jack up interest rates, which should pull America into a deeper recession? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can now access them with Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't support your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. It's absolutely absurd. What the Republicans are doing, plain and simple, is helping their friends, the multimillionaires, the wealthy corporations who pay no taxes, uh, from being audited. This has been a campaign of the Republicans since 2010. Well, I'm going to tell you something. This, uh, I think Chuck Schumer needs to be a little bit less worried about that and a little more about some of these other revelations that have come out today. I mean, I'm telling you. Welcome to the program. Dana Lash here with you this Tuesday. And I've got a number. We got a number of things to come in. I was actually just telling Kane and Juan as we were getting ready to go live here. I was doing Fox last night. I, I had Jesse Waters' program last night. And quite literally, as I was getting like mic'd up and getting ready to walk out and all that stuff. Uh, and get on set, there, that story broke yesterday. Like, right as all that was happening, that story broke of the whole situation with the classified, what is it, 10 classified documents that were found commingled. Because remember, that was a big word. You want to know where the word, remember the word commingled when the left was like, but those Trump classified documents were commingled. They were commingled with the other documents. And so these 10 classified documents were commingled with a bunch of other documents, apparently. And so that's why that code, that's why everybody keeps going. I'm going to say that word a lot today, just because the left so enjoyed saying it with all of their stuff. So welcome to the program. That's going to be the top story today. We're also going to talk about the rules package that has passed, what's in that, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we're going, to, we're going to get into all of that with you. But first off, this situation with these classified docs and it is different from the trump situation in that it's worse i it is because remember the big the important thing with with the important thing here with uh the trump situation is that he was president and so presidents can declassify stuff joe biden was not president he was vice president he does not have the ability to declassify documents. And so the documents that he had that 
were commingled with all of the other stuff that were found apparently by his attorneys, he didn't have the power. It's actually illegal for them to be there. He didn't have the power to take them. And so he doesn't have, because they were from his time, this is before he was president, that these documents made their way there. So he did not actually have any kind of right and or ability to declassify anything. And it apparently included, by the way, the classified documents. I'm looking at the reports because still more information is coming out about it this morning. It apparently included intelligence memos and briefing materials on Ukraine, Iran, the UK, etc. Wow. Look at that. Amazing how this all came after, like right after the midterm elections, too. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Although, you know, one of the things I think the reason that the story's coming out is because this is the anti-Biden faction of the Democrat Party. I really, really believe, because this is kind of a, it's kind of a hit piece. I mean, it really is a hit piece on Biden. Um, However, I think that this is really a, a way for Democrats to push Biden out of contention for 2024. Just little hits, death by a thousand paper cuts, so to speak. And so this, the classified documents that they, that they have found, it was in this private office. It's all these U.S. intelligence memos. The, D- the Department of Justice is going to investigate. Uh, I'm wondering if there's going to be a special counsel appointed. I was kind of wondering where the FBI raid was. And I love how the left was all yesterday saying, well, you know, here's the issue with that. You can't, you can't say because, see, Trump wasn't complying with the request, which isn't true. Because with Mar-a-Lago, Trump was complying with requests. In fact, they had actually uh, made one trip out there. The uh, bitchy librarians at the National Archives, those were the ones who were super loud about all of this with Trump. And then they were there. I haven't heard a word peep from these people with Biden. Uh, But I digress. They had actually had uh, uh, officials out at Mar-a-Lago once already. And they had been in they had been in in, in discussions with how to best do this already before the raid and keep in mind that these documents were from trump's time as president and it was already public knowledge what all the documents already were so there was nothing actually sensitive included in it but that's all flipping irrelevant because biden wasn't president and he doesn't enjoy the executive authority to to be able to declassify something so this comparison is stupid it doesn't even merit the measure of being specious it's just stupid so no we're not going to make these comparisons Because Biden's in the wrong here. So I'm wondering, is there going to be a special counsel appropriate or or instituted for this? Are they going to have a special counsel? Do you trust Merrick Garland? Do you trust him? I take that as a no, Kane. Audio soundbite three. Byron Donalds discussed this just, uh, what was this, yesterday evening. Listen. I'm wondering why the vice president of the United States had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community. Listen, it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents, but the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So number one, what was he doing with classified information in his possession? Number two, why did it take six years? And I want to stress this for the American people. 
Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. Yeah, he makes a really good point here. A very, very good point. So I'm just curious, where's where is the the iron fist of justice, so to speak? Where is that? Because I'm not seeing it with this. The media actually was already working overtime. I saw yesterday, and I'm trying to find it. There was a a video tweet. It was tweeted out, and it was CBS, and I think I had it saved. It, it was CBS, and CBS was trying to um, destroy their own scoop. They were trying to walk back the newsiness of their own scoop. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. They broke the story. Oh, it's not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. Don't worry about it. It's only 10 documents. I mean, they're probably not like nuclear secrets. That's the other thing. When the raid at Mar-a-Lago happened, we were told that Remember how originally it came out, everyone was floating that, oh, it could be nuclear secrets, and we thought, oh my gosh, or, uh, what's, who, 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 it's the actual nuclear codes, who knows? I mean, it's just insane. Do I really want to play Adam Kinzinger? Because I don't value his comment. Can I just say one thing about Adam Kinzinger? Adam Kinzinger is only going to be relevant, at least to cable news, for maybe one more year. And then after that, what other value does he bring? I mean, if you're, what other value does he bring? He doesn't bring any kind of a unique insight. He didn't do anything of significance during his time in Washington, D.C., except try to ride Liz Cheney's coattails. He really thought that he could be the Chris Murphy to Liz Cheney's Nancy Pelosi, and it didn't happen. And so he's, he was setting himself up as he saw his influence if arguably whether or not he ever had any, but that's not the point of contention I'm raising. As he saw his influence wane in Congress, he decided to try to do everything he could to audition for MSNBC or CNN. And that's what these people do. They get over their skis like this so that they can try to nab these contributorships. So as all these networks were firing, you know, people who actually, I will say, maybe did study some of these issues, except you know, aren't st- are still are more partisan than they are intelligent. Adam Kinzinger gets a contributorship deal at a time when people are getting fired. And so he's over there at cable news. And he says something like this about Byron Donalds, who is more studied, more intelligent and better spoken than Adam Kinzinger could ever hope to be. Adam Kinzinger is an embarrassment to Congress. And I'm just when does when does his 15 minutes run out? Because I think he keeps stopping the clock. Listen, well, Wolf. Fortunately, our justice system does nuance, uh, and that's really important when it comes to justice. Unfortunately, our political system doesn't do nuance. And what you heard from Representative Donalds, he, he made, a, I think, a compelling case for the, the facts that he has to go on. But first off, it's ludicrous to say a vice president can't have access to classified material or can, you know, we have access to that's classified materials as members of Congress. Gosh, that's not at all what he said. That's not at all what he said. Gosh, see, it's just dumb commentary like this. It's just stupid commentary. It's just absolutely ridiculous commentary. And so I I don't, this is why I don't value, this is the only time I'm ever going to play Adam Kinzinger. Unless he farts on live television like Eric Swalwell did, that will be miles more intelligent than anything than anything he could say. I just don't have anything nice to say about him. I don't feel courteous. I definitely don't feel any kind of mercy towards him right now. So I, I, if I don't move on, I'm going to, I'm going to shred him. So 
I, and I feel like, you know, he's he's his existence on cable news now is an embarrassment enough. Seriously, that's not even what Byron Donalds said. Byron Donalds wasn't talking about having access to classified material. Byron Donalds was specifically talking about the act of declassifying material. I guess Adam Kinzinger was too busy waxing his eyebrows to pay attention to that particular important nuance since that's his new favorite word. He just learned that. You can tell because he's trying to use it every time he can since he since he apparently didn't listen to what Byron Donalds said. That's an important nuance there. They weren't talking about vice presidents accessing classified materials. He's talking about actual declassification of classified materials. And that's something that the vice president does not have the privilege to do. He does not have that executive authority. And yes, there is a process. It's not all drawn out the way that cable news would like for you to believe. But you yes, you can't just snap your fingers. However, there's some discretion applied here. So this idea that you can't say that Joe Biden's Mistake is worse than Trump's because Joe Biden lacked the executive authority is a thousand. It's a thousand percent correct to say this. And so that brings me full circle back to my question. Where is the independent? Where's the special counsel? Because I don't trust the goblin that is Merrick Garland to actually investigate this in any kind of bipartisan fashion. Do you? Because I don't. We have more to come, including let me just tell you a couple of other things. The rules package passed. I'll just I'm only going to gloss over that because most of it is stuff that Republicans have already been talking about changing for the past year anyway, from Pelosi rules to rules that are determined by a Republican majority. That's why I was contesting the whole. What do you mean you won these rules? These rules have been talked about for forever. Do people forget that people have been going on television and radio and saying what the rules are going to be if they get a majority in Congress and that these things are forever preserved on a thing called the Internet because they exist there. Also. The uh, media is going after there's an the media is mad because Ron DeSantis is ignoring their lame their mainstream media stooges. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at check out for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Every single time I read a story about a parrot, they're doing something cool. And I really want one now. I think I want a parrot. So here's why I'm saying this, because this is the latest one. Security footage captures a pet parrot scaring away a New New Year's Eve robber with frightening shrieks. Also, this cage is ridiculously huge, I gotta say. Uh, It's incredible security footage, they say, that captures the moment a shrieking pet parrot was able to scare off would-be thieves. They tried to break into a Melbourne, Australia home on New Year's Eve. The two-year-old macaw, named Versace, of course, had been left alone inside inside the house in the city's north as its owners enjoyed a night out for the first time in years. The parrot knew something was wrong and let out ear-piercing screams, with each shriek becoming increasingly louder. 
as the pet became more troubled by the attempted break-in. And so after that, the thieves abandoned their attempt. That's actually really cool. I think I really actually think I want a parrot, right? I know a watch parrot. Can you imagine? Like it could be a friend of Rocco's. I should ask Leo about this over at at Delta Rescue. Although he's probably like Dana. I don't know how many macaws you think I deal with, but I'm just saying. Like I really am getting into the parrot thing. All right, moving on. I really want to talk about parrots for the rest of the show. Dr. Dre slay. Everyone keeps saying that this was a slick uh, edited video. I thought the editing was actually garbage. It was really bad. Dr. Dre slams the use of Still Dre by divisive and hateful, he says, Marjorie Taylor Greene. So she did her, it wasn't her, but people who like her did this video where they were playing his song, you know, like the the opening, the opening uh, measures as she was walking through and they just put the opening on loop as she's walking through the Capitol and then it switches to this like grainy black and white and it shows her holding the phone when she's on the chamber floor that said DT when they were having the big fight over speaker and I'm just like that's not a well edited video it's actually really clumsy and it kind of is cringe I know what they were trying to do I just think it could have been done so much better with someone who understands you know editing and theater like not I'm not saying a theater nerd but the theatrics of what was trying to be done uh, Zelensky's going to talk to the Golden Globes and offer a message of peace. Blah, blah, blah. Damar Hamlin's released from the hospital. And Diamond of Diamond and Silk has passed away. She passed away last night. That that news came out. Our prayers are with them. That's really sad because she's quite young, wasn't she? Stay with us. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. It was interesting and I think important to note that White House advisors at the highest levels would have known that this issue was ongoing for at least two months, given the timeline we were given from the White House yesterday. And so I think one of the questions is about why they've waited for this story to sort of break in the news on its own uh, versus being fully transparent, disclosing this as soon as it happened two months ago. Hmm. Yeah. So they've known for two months that they had these that they had this this these documents that they had these documents two months that biden did they knew for two months it's nbc that's the part of the network that broke this thing those were the pit they were the ones who were trying to downplay it cnbc was they were trying to downplay it so hard but they knew that he they knew that he had this stuff and he just i mean they i just kind of stunning the double standard really i mean when it used to when i was like back, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, it seemed like they did a better job at trying to, or not a better job. They cared more, I guess, about trying to hide the double standard. Now it's just they don't care without realizing that that's ultimately the thing that's contributing to making so many people angry. Welcome back to the uh, program. Dana Lash here with you this Tuesday and... A lot of, a couple of things here still, because this, more information is going to come out about the classified materials that include top secret files that have sensitive compartmented information. Actually, it's a CSI. It's the, it's a designation that's used for super sensitive stuff that is obtained from Intel sources. And the lawyers found these, these documents in November. I'm sure they knew before November. They knew. They knew before the election. It's interesting how they just kept it quiet. I wonder how that would affect have affected the election had they. Because Democrats clearly wanted Democrats to win. But they don't really like 
Biden. I'm telling you, as we get closer to 2024, you're going to see so much stuff come out about him. And I do believe that as that all gets as 24 gets closer, anything that Republicans are going to do in the House pertaining to investigation of, um, you know, Trump or Hunter Biden or anything like that. I really I really think Democrats are just going to let it go. They're just going to they're going to let it go because they want it to damage Biden. Interesting. I'm just telling you just to watch how this comes out. So this I'm looking at a couple of things here. It said the attorneys discovered the documents. Here's the quote that I'm highlighting this and I'm going to put I actually you have I think you have this piece in your email prep. For those of you who are subscribers, when you go to chapter and verse, you get the email prep that I cite on the show. I believe you have this this piece that I have, uh, how CBS first reported the documents. And the, the quote that's being used to justify and excuse this is this, quote, the documents were not subject of any previous request or inquiry by the National Archives. But that's not the point. It doesn't matter if they are this if they're subject to any request or inquiry by the archives. What matters is that they have a CSI designation. They are classified. And Biden did not have the authority, executive or legal or otherwise, to take them to his office. He did not have that authority. So I you can sit here and say that the National Archives said X, Y, and Z, but that is irrelevant when you weigh it against what he's allowed to do by law. He just thinks that there's no penalty for him because there's not. There's never a penalty for the Bidens. Damn, it must be good to be a Biden, huh? Dang. That Biden privilege, though. They cut fewer than a dozen. Ten. It's like barely. Ten. Ten documents. Ten. You know, I and the, the materials that they had, I told you that they said that it relates to all kinds of stuff, uh, Ukraine, uh, UK, all kinds of stuff. So we'll see because they're classified Obama administration documents. So Garland is apparently is reviewing them in his initial review. He said they're going to determine whether a further investigation is necessary. And then if they believe that further investigation is necessary, then he would at that point appoint a special counsel. See, I don't recall there being this much. And I went back and I was looking at this because like I said, when this story broke, I had finished up some of the prep that I was doing for today. And I was getting prepared to do my Fox it. And we were going to be, we were talking about, it was kind of an older story, but Jesse was, he's been doing this ongoing series about the way to control language within the government right how the government wants to control language and it's all it's it's basic it's mental conditioning is what it is so anyway we ended up changing the topic at the last minute because the story broke and i was talking to one of their producers and it's weird because i noticed this on twitter and this is why i i'm a little critical of elon musk's handling of twitter because i don't believe that he has changed the shadow banning or anything else i think that some of the bigger accounts get attention like famous people get attention so it can look it gives the appearance of that being done but it's not really being done because so many people including yours truly are still being shadow banned so the issue that i had and i mentioned this to the producer 
is that it was like they knew this was going to pop off yesterday evening. When I went online to try to search, you have to get around Google's algorithms. There's kind of a trick to do it. You can you can put like if you're searching for something, you can add Reddit at the end of it or add certain things and it actually will help bypass and pull up. Even if it's on Reddit, it'll pull up articles at other people. It's like a better way to search Google, which is ridiculous. Or even DuckDuckGo to an extent is ridiculous. Anyway, long story short, looking on social media, because that's where all the immediate stuff hits, it was like they were ready for this because immediately everyone had the same damn talking points about the line that I just read you. Well, it wasn't a part of any inquest inquest or inquiry by the National Archives. Oh, well, the National Archives hadn't requested it, so it wasn't a part of any kind of inquiry. They were all saying the same thing. And I'm looking at this, and I, I said something to one of jesse's producers i'm like i'm look i'm doing it because i was up in like eight seven eight minutes i said i'm doing a cert i just looked on twitter and i don't know if you've seen this but any actual legit reporting of this is getting buried by the spin and there were a couple of pieces that were sort of able to because they immediately started attacking the piece that came out the biden and it was interesting because the the people in the democrat side uh, of the biden the biden faction of the democrats were spinning it and the ones who don't like him, they weren't attacking him, but they were just going, oh, hmm. Very interesting. Silence is violence. Yeah, silence is violence. So I am, I find this amazing because let's do look at the timing of this for a moment. And I know I'm going to get to the other stuff, but the story's fascinating me more and more. Let's, can we just talk about the timing of it for a moment? When this happened to Trump, he with the, the Mar-a-Lago situation, all coming up, you know, it was in, in August. When all of this stuff happened, you saw the, the raid, you saw the, all of this, you know, the, the investigation, anything, anytime Trump did anything, there was... Some kind of, there was a double investigative, independent counsel, all kinds of stuff. So Trump, who is technically, he is a candidate for president now. Can I just a sidebar? I don't mean to lead you down this path. As this stuff is coming out, we are processing it as it comes out. I actually, I'm, I'm kind of, I've got a foot in both worlds. I think it's stupid that he announced so early that he was running for president. But for the purpose of this story, I like it. And here's why. He's a candidate for president of the United States. So they have, what, their special counsel? They've investigated, they raided him for documents that were presented in the media as being classified, yet were actually, he declassified them. It was stuff that was not sensitive. It did not have that. It was actually, they were old. It was old information. Thus, it was not even sensitive anymore. And then the candidate for President Joe Biden, presumably in 2024, what is his treatment? Two candidates, right? Very different treatment. Huh. Would you describe his handling of these Biden's handling of these documents to be irresponsible that's what he had said when he's given he had given interviews about it hmm. 
Now, audio sent by 15. Steve Scalise, Steve Scalise weighed in here. Listen to this. This is what he said about this last night. Well, first of all, do we really know that for years when Vice President Biden left office, it looks like he took classified documents with him and he was very critical of President Trump. By the way, the only person that has the constitutional ability to declassify any documents is the president of the United States, not the vice president. So if then Vice President Biden took classified documents with him and held them for years and criticized President, former President Trump during that same time that he had those classified documents and only after it was uncovered did he turn them back. I wonder why the press isn't asking the same questions of him as Vice President taking classified documents that they were asking President Trump. There's, well, shouldn't the, you have two candidates for president here for 2024. Shouldn't, shouldn't they both receive the same standard of review? Isn't that how law and order works? So why are they not? Huh? Because it's D different notes came. I got to tell you this. I was laughing. I was like, la- I actually normally when I say LOL, I'm lying. Um, but I actually did chuckle. So maybe not a laugh, but I did kind of chuckle when I was looking at some of the uh, uh, new moves in committee. So apparently Kevin McCarthy has already removed Illinois Omar and Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff from powerful committees. Yeah. Illinois Omar has been kicked off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell have been removed from the Intelligence Committee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they deserve it. He's made good on these promises. And uh, the media speculates, well, it's likely payback for uh, Pelosi stripping these. No, no, it's probably because Eric Swalwell banged a Chinese spy. And who knows what he told this, this honeypot? Who knows? And it's also probably because Adam Schiff was involved in peddling propaganda from the Kremlin as a way to destabilize the trust in a free and fair election in 2016 and going into 2020. So, yeah, I just don't um, I don't I, I don't object to any of this. I don't object to any of this. We're going to talk more about this here coming up and what what we can expect, too, because they're doing there's a lot that's there's some moves that have been made. They're already making moves to repeal, pause that funding for the 87,000 IRS agents. So even if the House can't at all uh, stop that piece of, you know, they would have to have the Senate working with them to stop that from going into effect. They can freeze the funding for it and ultimately freeze the implementation of that and that's exactly what they're moving to do so these are all good things we have more to come red meat black coffee truth telling the dana show I, I think that no, what you just said is yeah, right, that, yeah. that there are differences in what happened. Yes, but you know, the are not good. Well, we all know that Trump is a liar and a thief, you know? We know that. Oh, so it's not that big a jump 
to say that he obstructed and he lied. We don't think that Biden is a liar and a thief, so we give him the benefit of the doubt. That's partly what's going on. But what I think also is going on, no matter what the truth of it is, Whoopi, they will spin it, Bubblehead and Marjorie Taylor and that crowd, Matt Gates. You think they're not going to spin this that is just as bad as Trump? And so the, the lie gets out there. People believe it, just like that Donaldson person, whatever his name is. Byron. What's his name? Byron, Byron Donalds. Mm. I saw him also. He was at the, uh, the fight on the floor, too, yeah. wasn't he? He was nominated for speaker a number of yes. by two people. Yeah. He's been in one of the 15 rounds. But, I mean, what I'm saying is that the lying has been so I don't expect invasive. the old white racist woman so you- to know the name of the, you know, maybe second time in history that a uh, black member of Congress was nominated as a speaker. I don't expect her to, to know that. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lashier with you. They don't believe it. They don't think it's a big deal. Oh, no, it's no big. It's, it's all right. Oh, he's, uh, so, you know, we don't think Biden's a liar and a thief. Trump's a liar and a thief. So it's it's their their politics are informing their bias. And I mean, obviously, I'm not saying anything new, but the issue here is that how can you expect to have law and order if you only if you if your standard of review in terms of application is where your politics are right that's what people are talking about that's the one thing when you start and i'm going to warn you when when can when you push people who like law and order when you push them to disregard it damn that is not a good day for you not a good day for you so i law and order is what makes our republic a republic of course, these people think it's a democracy. So am I surprised? No, I'm not. But it's an, it's incredibly important to have equal application. And, and all I mean, all of it. I, I got to look at this tweet from CNN. I just saw this fly past my eyes. This is what I'm talking about. This was, I mean, literally just a little bit ago. They're, they're actually maybe half, maybe half hour ago. They say, quote, there are clear distinctions between cl- two classified document cases involving Biden and Trump. So they act like Joe Biden had fewer documents. That's some only some of them were top secret. And they said the lawyers found and alerted the archives and as opposed to the FBI searched and uh, after ignored subpoena. The thing is, the subpoena, there was no reason even to subpoena Trump anyway, because why were officials already at Mar-a-Lago just a couple of weeks before the raid removing boxes of documents? Anyway, they, they were there. They're pictured being there doing this. So they're trying to spin it. It's not going to work. We have a lot more on the way. Second hour coming up. We have uh, Congressman Chip Roy is going to be joining us too later on. The Watchdog on Wall Street with Chris Murkowski. Is the BLS report a bunch of BS? More people are entering the workforce, which is a good sign, but the Federal Reserve just won't go away. Continually hiking rates to almost 5%. Should we let the market recover on its own with these numbers? Or watch the Federal Reserve continually jack up interest rates, which could pull America into a deeper recession? What should you be watching for? The Watchdog on Wall Street, Chris Murkowski explains. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Murkowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
President Biden, my colleague MJ Lee asked the White House about the president not interacting or meeting with any migrants. And a senior administration official told her that it was because there were no migrants at the respite center at the time that the president visited and that it was coincidental. But Poppy, I checked the migrant dashboard that the city of El Paso has. Uh -huh. And at the time when the president was here, there were nearly 1000 migrants who were in federal detention. So if the president really wanted to see conditions, uh -huh. I kind of doubt that the president of the United States would have been denied access. Wow. Pretty unbelievable. And so that's a CNN correspondent at the border who's saying this. Welcome back to the program. Top of the second hour. My friend Julio Rosas is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. He's been there at the border. He's going to share everything with us because Biden is at the they're calling it the three amigos summit. It's him, Mexican president, Justin Trudeau. I told Kane and Juan and Steve a little earlier. I was watching video of uh because I, I think Trudeau just got there today. Uh, hasn't it been just Obrador and yeah. Biden, I think, up to this point? So Trudeau just got there today. And there was at one point where Trudeau was, I guess, sitting with some of his Canadian delegation and Biden was sitting with some of the folks from the United States side. And Trudeau starts speaking French and Biden's face screws up like he's so confused. And he just stares at Trudeau like that for a full minute. And it was so awkward and weird to watch. You know, it is what it is. Good heavens. So that's the they're they're having this this meeting. I know one of the big topics of discussion was trade and energy and because Canada and Mexico have been going back and forth over certain energy issues. But the border, I don't think is going to be, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this for all of the discussion and the the weeping and gnashing of teeth that the left had over Trump. You did not have as many people crossing over the border because Mexico was participating in helping to police the border from their side of the border. And that was because Trump, everyone said Trump's like a, Oh, he's so mean. He just goes in and doesn't negotiate. Well, he just went into Mexico and said, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, have i I'm going to tax the hell out of everything that you, that uh, is imported from Mexico into the United States to the point where you're not going to, it's going to be pointless to even try. So either help out with the border or this is going to happen. So they're like, oh, my gosh, what? So that's what that worked. And it worked. And now here's Biden, who just sits there looking confused whenever Trudeau speaks in French. It was actually hysterical. I stopped what I was doing. I can't remember. I was getting like a protein drink or something. And I just I turned and I looked because the camera was zoomed up on both of them it had both of them it was like waist up and then when his face screwed up they zoomed out like oh this looks really bad because he looked mean and confused like he was mad about being confused but he didn't know what was going on it was just weird like that was the face that you have do you not have that well i'm being rhetorical of course he doesn't but you know you have did not have the wherewithal to recognize like what yeah, you're in front of all these cameras and you're you making angry, confused old man face because he's speaking French next to you. It was just weird. That's it was weird. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a little horse. Yeah, he's got a li <laughs> I would also like a little horse. <laughs> Can I get a little horse? <laughs> I wish that Banshee sidebar, that Banshee's of Inishira, which was funny. It's Colin Farrell's in it. I it's the weirdest movie. If I told you what the plot was, you'd be like, what? Guy wants to be left alone, doesn't want to be friends with this dude anymore, so he cuts his fingers off and throws them at his house. There's a little pony involved. I didn't give anything away. There's a little pony involved, too, and I love that little pony. 
And no, not like that kind of little pony, like not my little pony, like an actual little pony. And it's like, I really, I would like one. I want one of those little ponies. It was like a giant dog. It was so smart, very sweet. Anyway, I'm totally distracted now. But the point is, is that he is, they're not not serious about any of this. Do you honestly think no one there is going to present Mexico with the option of, uh, well, we're, uh gonna tax the hell out of everything you do here all your imports and uh you're gonna it's gonna be rough on you so you might want to help police things on your side of the border in fact i actually thought that the relationship between the united states and mexico was better as a result of that that setup right and doesn't that give the mexican president a little leverage over the cartels too like, you're busy fighting the cartels. If you can say, yeah, Mr. Drug Cartel Guy Boss, but they're going to they're gonna have all these 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 import. We're, they're going to tax everything we do and everything we try to make money on, sending it into the United States, and it's going to put everything in dire straits. You got to help us out. I mean, you're telling me that that does not give them a little leverage? Come on. It's all so goofy. So they're having their meeting. And in the meantime... When he, we told you yesterday how we went through El Paso, everything was cleared up. One of the first questions I'm going to ask Julio is, how fast is it going to get back to the way it was before they cleaned it up in El Paso? Like, are people already, are the camps already back out? I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious as to whether the camps are already back out there. Now, I have this, too. Let me pull this up. So, Biden is expected to announce plans to combat xenophobia and discrimination... This is what they've said. It's a list of deliberals from the Three Amigos Summit. They want to, they are announcing, he's announcing a plan to combat xenophobia and discrimination of migrants coming into the U.S., a website to speed up pathways to citizenship. Oh, and more EV charging stations on the border. What? <laughs> um, what? But no wall? No wall. But the EV charging stations, though, they said that in this summit, it's been Obrador, Trudeau, they're going to establish a, quote, trilateral expert exchange of information. That's stupid. It means you guys are going to talk. Shut up. Nobody cares. They're going to combat violence against indigenous women and girls, as well as alphabet people, blah, 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 blah. Um, what else? Oh, add Mexico to a global partnership for action on gender-based online harassment and abuse. This is all so stupid. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I'm just scrolling. If I find something interesting, dumb, dumb, dumb. Oh, and uh, they said they're going to, they noted most of the deliverables contain verbs that end in ING, continuing, partnering, expanding, sharing, blah, blah, blah. Work that's not yet finished. I dare say that has never been started and they don't even know. So that's, that's what they're. And they said that the electric vehicle vehicle charging stations at the border, the commitment to do this, because, you know, that's what, you know, people who are just to go along with the Democrat talking points, people who are fleeing violence in countries, they make sure they grab their smartphones so that they can they have the after they sell everything that they have, give everything that they have to coyotes to not kill them as they try to cross over in the United States, you know, going by everything that the administration says, uh, they're going to get their smartphones and. Uh, follow the app uh, to declare amnesty and then they can charge their EVs after they drive over the Rio. Is that right? Or maybe it's like Halo Infinite where you can just drive the hell off a cliff or through a river and it doesn't matter what you do to your vehicle. Right? 
You can just take your warthog and just literally drive off a 60-foot cliff and you're totally fine. Maybe it's like that. I don't know. Does that how physics were? I mean, I didn't actually jump off a cliff when I was at the times I've been at the border. But, you know, Kane, you've got family down there. Maybe you could check with the kin in Matamoros and ask, hey, is the gravity suspended down there? Or, like, is reality different? Can people just yeet their EVs over the Rio? Is that how that works? Just wondering. Some parts. Some parts of it. Yeah. You know, it's like Halo Infinite. You just drive your hog right over them. Just wondering. I just... But can I, I want to go back, though, to the combat xenophobia and discrimination of migrants. Who the hell, the only people I've ever known who have been xenophobic and discriminatory towards migrants have been Democrats against Cubans. And Venezuelans, who did they just expel? Well, yeah, and Venezuelans, true, yeah, true. Because they've learned a horrible lesson about how Venezuelans aren't really... um, they're not they're not progressive. I'll never forget. I'm not going to say names, but I was talking to a family in Florida that had been approached by gun control groups after Parkland and uh, very good people, very sweet people. And they're Venezuelan. And when they came to the United States, uh, they had when they were working with a Venezuelan lawyer and this gun control group was trying to get them to basically be a poster family for pushing gun control it was the Bloomberg groups. And the family was saying, <laughs> Basically, what I can share on air is that they were saying, how stupid are these gun control groups? We're Venezuelan. Have they not, been a, have they not paid attention to what's happening in Venezuela? Exactly. One of the first things that they did was ban gun ownership. I have friends who are professional shooters who left Venezuela because their coaches were warning them. One of my friends, uh, her, her coach was warning her family, you know, uh, you might, if your daughter wants to continue to compete, you're going to need to leave Venezuela. No joke. That's one of the first... So, that and just the ultimate, you know, the implementation of horrible socialism and state exerting authority over every aspect of your life by force. Yeah, people are reacting to that by leaving and they don't want to recreate it to where they flee. So, yeah. So now Democrats are like, well, damn, they don't like what they got in Venezuela. So we don't like them. That's. They see Democrats trying to implement some of these very same things, which brings me to this point. Okay. I made mention, I don't think I've screamed about this enough. I made mention of the stove thing yesterday. So I have, have you noticed the, the, the two control stories here? I just list this under control. How they say, instead of giving your kids exercise, give them a pill. And then now it's official that the Biden administration is really looking to push Uh, This ban on gas stoves. I know. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? They they really want to ban gas stoves. They say that it's somehow better. It's better for your health. Actually, this is all green. It's all green crap. That's all it is. It's all this is all about his green agenda. And I just find it interesting that some of the people who are yelling about this, about banning gas stoves, they're fine with their gas fireplaces and their gas heating. They're, they want to make everything electric. There was a Washington Free Beacon analysis that actually looked at this about the natural, because the Biden administration was saying that, oh, well, if you eliminate natural gas, you're going to save money. Free Beacon was like, actually, it's the opposite. And here's the thing that's so stupid. They go, well, if you have a gas stove, you're gonna, your kids are going to get asthma. They really have been pushing this to the whole mom blogger community. And you have some of these dumb women out here who are just like, oh, my gosh, I've got to get rid of my gas stove. 
as a, and I'm going to virtue signal about getting rid of my gas stove on social media because I love my baby. I love my baby. I'm going to get rid of my gas stove. And that's like how this started gaining a lot of steam. And so the administration is really pushing this. Really pushing this. I think it's funny. Richard Trumka Jr., AFL-CIO guy's son, is U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. The, uh, at least I believe, yeah. They were saying that, well, the gas burner, you know, you have quantities of nitrogen dioxide. It's a respiratory irritant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know what, what you could do is make sure you just have ventilation. And also, like, make sure your stuff is working properly. That's, do you know they've banned them? Haven't they banned gas stoves and um, new construction in California already? And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So NBC says there's a new Alzheimer's drug that uh, is going to cost $26,500 a year. For Medicare to pay for it, patients have to be enrolled in a clinical trial, and then that's going to limit coverage. It's, good heavens, it was approved by the FDA last week for use in people with mild cognitive impairment or early Alzheimer's. It's the only the second one, a, a drug of its kind, approved in the U.S., uh, but they say that it's uh, the annual price tag, 2,600. Wow. That's, that's crazy. It initially cost 56,000 and they cut it in half. But yeah, you think it's overpriced, but there's like, there's there are more than 6 million people in the United States have it. There's, there's not going to be a lot of people who can afford that. And then the clinical trial limiting you. China is apparently buying a lot of gold uh, very aggressively. They purchased another 30 tons in December. Uh, and this is uh, from a Credit Suisse. They said that uh, China's, yeah, China's been very, very aggressively purchasing gold. And they said that 32 tons in the month of November alone. They said that was its first official purchase, what, since 18? And so, interesting. So they're increasing their gold reserves, topping up holdings again after its first reported purchase in more than three years. So there you go. Interesting that they're, mm, the cane does not like that. A super, I mentioned this the other day, but I wanted to get more details. A super rare comet not seen since the Stone Age is apparently going to fly through the night this month, fly through the sky this month. Uh, they think it's an asteroid. It's, I mean, is it smod? And it's not because it's not going to get close enough. It's just a very tightly, con- it's going to be a little asteroid and it's going to be uh, what's the last time that it came around. It's dubbed C2022E3. Uh, they said that it was during the Stone Age. So it's going to be 26 million miles from Earth, the closest it's been since the Upper Paleolithic Era. Great. If it's not going to be smod, then I'm just, I don't know if I'm concerned. I don't know if I care. Uh, also, guns save lives. A mother shot an intruder dead after he forced his way into her home. A convicted violent felon was shot to death after he forced his way into a woman's house while armed with a shovel and a lug wrench. According to the sheriff's office, the Robert Rames was killed. Uh, police responded to an early morning home invasion. The victim was there with her two very young children, and she fatally shot him. He was out on parole. Of course, she's not going to be charged because she's protecting herself and her kids. Something Bloomberg's groups hate. Julio Rosas next. Want a behind-the-scenes look at the Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. 
So you don't think he had a sanitized version of it? No migrants, no sign of some of the craziness and bedlam that agents have been dealing with prior and now even since his visit? No, the president felt like he got a, a, a very good set of briefings and discussions, very honest, very candid feedback from all those that are working this problem. Uh, and uh, no, he's, he's, he's very confident that, uh, that the trip was, was uh, provided him the context and the information uh, that he was looking for. Oh. Oh, so that's John Kirby, who's explaining to Neil Cavuto yesterday that, yes, he is confident the president got everything that he needed when he visited a very sanitized and cleaned up El Paso to make any kind of decisions or to handle the crisis at the border. Welcome back to the program. We're at the bottom of our second hour here. Dana Lash with you. You can listen coast to coast on markets around the country. You can also watch the simulcast on YouTube, Facebook, the first and joining us right now, my good friend Julio Rosa, senior writer at townhall.com. And he has some of the best coverage out there. He's everywhere. Sometimes I worry about his safety. He doesn't care about safety. He cares about the story. And he joins us now. This is like one of the first times in a long time I've seen you in a normal office setting. You're like usually behind a truck somewhere. So it's good to talk with you. You've been down there, though. You covered all of this. You have a couple of really great pieces, how everything was cleared up for El Paso. The first thing I wanted to ask you is how do you think that the camps are now back on the sidewalk now that Biden's left and he's at the three amigos is, I guess, what the press is calling it, Summit? I I, I certainly think that you know, what we saw in El Paso, because I was there uh, two, twice last month. And it was it was just startling to see that within that two week time span, just how how bigger the camps had gotten. And so uh, it, it's, it's not surprising at all that uh, the city uh, and Border Patrol really try to clean up the area prior to his visit, because that has actually been standard operating procedure during this entire crisis, uh, whenever it's been Mayorkas or the Border Patrol chief or any uh, uh, members of Congress that, that come down to visit, they try to get out, uh, they try to get as many people out of the processing centers as much as possible to try to uh, not make it look as bad as it actually is. And it's not the frontline agent's fault. That's that's the uh, upper management that yeah. are making those decisions. So I'm not surprised at all that when, you know, the commander in chief is coming down, uh, they're going to do everything in their power to 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 kind of downplay and minimize what, what's actually happening. And in Kirby, in that same interview, he even said that Biden visited a processing center, but there were nobody, there was nobody being processed. It was empty. So it's, it's I, weird. It's, just, it's so, mean. it's so weird. We're talking with our friend Julio Rosas at town hall. It's so weird that, and I understand that they're trying to present the best face of the city for the, you know, commander in chief when he comes to visit. But the, the, the reason he's there is to deal with the problem that the city is facing. So you would think that they would want him to see, especially when you have so many border state mayors and and sheriffs and, and everybody else saying this is such a problem. We're worried about security, safety. We're worried about the resources of our areas. I mean, these aren't Martha's Vineyard type towns with, you know, billionaire vacation homes. I mean, these are average everyday Americans who just want to make sure that, you know, they're going to be OK and that they're not going to have cartels, you know, constantly intruding into their private property, bringing people over or drugs over. What do you think his response would have been? And I, I know this is, you know, it's maybe it's rhetorical, but if he actually would have seen how bad it is, if he if they would have the motorcade would have had to go through all of those encampments and they could actually see what the consequence of these policies are doing to towns like El Paso. Uh, so actually, I, I was never a big proponent personally for Biden to go down and visit because he, he obviously knows what's going on. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm actually surprised he actually did. So, I mean, I'll give him kudos that he actually went down 
at least to the area for the first time in his you know, multi-decade right. career. Uh, but I actually think that it's going to invigorate him and his team to double down on their policies even more because to their view, they're, they're going to think, oh, well, there's all these people sleeping on the street. There's like these massive lines that, you know, with all this, you know, big influx of people coming over. So we need to actually do more to process them more quickly, get them into the country faster and just deal with the problem later. So I actually think that, um, you know, they would not, they would be shocked to see that obviously, but then they would just be more uh, hardened in their resolve to pursue their open border policy. So uh, it, it's, it's, it befuddles the mind because obviously uh, conventional wisdom says the opposite of that. Yeah. But you have to understand we're not dealing with uh, a regular administration that, that actually wants to solve these problems. Yeah, that's, and I think that's the big point talking with Julio Rosas of Town Hall. Uh, and he's done some really great work on all of this. And he also has a book. If you haven't read it, you definitely should. Uh, it's called Fiery But Mostly Peaceful, The 2020 Riots and the Gaslighting of America. You had, uh, I think you tweeted it, maybe Griff Jenkins had, looking at just the the number of crossings uh, in, for instance, El Paso sector alone. They said that it's up 220% from last year. The known gotaways, not even the unknowns, 78,161 known gotaways. The president announced this app that he says is going to make it easier for people coming across the border with pro- to get processed and all this stuff. Is, is that actually going to be useful in this kind of situation? It just, I mean, I, we all kind of scratched our heads here in the studio. It, it, it will to a certain extent because the people, the, the, the nationalities that they're applying it to, the, the reason why that they are chosen with, with Cubans, Nicaraguans, is because right now they're making up a bulk of uh, people who are crossing and willingly turning themselves in. You know, And so there's mm-hmm. two camps, right? People who are willingly yeah. turning themselves in and the people who are trying to get away. So the people who aren't going to qualify for that, well, they're going to keep trying doing what they've always done, which is try to avoid uh, border patrol or, or even risk it if they're a family unit uh, with small children, they'll risk turning themselves in. Um, and so it, 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 we'll, we'll see. I mean, they did do it with Venezuelans uh, initially. That, that was like kind of a pilot program. And we did see a decrease in Venezuelans illegally crossing, but it was a twofold thing because a lot of them were waiting for December 21st yeah. when Title 42 was initially supposed to go away. When I was in Juarez, a lot of the people that weren't crossing and turning themselves in, they were they were Venezuelans, and there's didn't they that limit how many they were going to take too with Venezuelans? So I remember seeing yeah. somewhere cited, I think it was Border Patrol that said, well, the Godaways actually increased because a lot it, it encouraged more people to come. But then when they realized that the program already had hit capacity for like that day or week, they were they you know they they couldn't be accommodated, and so there were the Godaways increased as a result of the cap or something. Yeah, exactly, and it also depends on who Mexico is willing to take back. Oh, uh, because Me- since Mexico uh, can flex their muscles, since they know that the Biden administration is not going to push back on like the Trump administration would, uh, they they definitely are uh, in the upper. They know that they have the upper hand when it comes to these sensitive negotiations. And so I'll be interested to see what this meeting that Biden's in Mexico for kind of what, what comes out of that. Because we also have to remember that there's still a cartel war going down in in Mexico, and they just captured a son of El Chapo, and that caused another major battle in a major Mexican city. Mm. So it, there, there's multiple things happening here all at once. And it, you know, it stems back many decades, but you know, what we have at our border is very much a symptom of the current administration, uh, but also just the fact that Congress needs to address 
immigration issue, but yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We were hobbling into this first week with Congress getting stuff done. Well, <laughs> we're going to watch this and, and continue watching it because this, this, this summit that they're having, I mean, I don't know. I, I just we I got a full 60 seconds of Joe Biden looking confused just because Trudeau was speaking French at some when he arrived today at, at there. He just sat there and looked at him for a full 60 seconds confused. So I don't know if I have high hopes, but we'll see. You do such great work. Uh, and I hope if ever if you if y'all haven't gone out and, and gotten his book, uh, Fiery But Mostly Peaceful, The 2020 Riots and Gaslighting of America. He was right there in the thick of all of it, as he always is. Julio Rosas with townhall.com. Good to see you, my friend. Great work, as always. Thank you. Of course. And the Three Amigos Summit. That's the thing. Trudeau just arrived. He, well, he arrived today and they had uh, their joint press conference. And then they're supposed to, because I know that energy and then they're talking a couple of other, there are a couple of other issues here as well. Uh, and I, you know, just some, some interesting, interesting aspects of this. I want to switch gears because one of the other things that I had, I've been looking at and I find this all really fascinating. The issue, and I just saw this from, what is it, Colbert? I can't stand him. Does he, I've never actually paid attention to his show, so I don't know what his ratings are like. So he has that ginger spare on. Now, this is not a thing about the spare and his suitcase briefcase wife. This is not about that. I was reading, um, it's a friend of a friend, and they were in British military. And they were talking about how there seems to be with that Prince Harry dude and his uh, clout chasing zealist wife who was a bit part on a show that was only in Canada, apparently, that they were a, their their obsession with going after, I guess, a Britain's royal family is actually affecting the Commonwealth at large. And it was just a one offhand comment that I actually thought has more consequence than people realize because there have been already a what a, one nation that left the british commonwealth and the commonwealth is of course you know britain and other nations that you know everyone always says oh well, britain was colonizing nations etc they they became the commonwealth under the late queen of uh england and had they they really promoted the equality of nations through the commonwealth and that might seem you know something like you know piddly or inconsequential to you but i want you to keep that in mind as you consider what china's doing with belt and road initiatives how you had this administration work with china to help gain footed uh, footing in congo people's democratic republic of congo or the Democratic Republic of Congo, so that they could get a hold of their cobalt mine in, a in exchange for what? Some crappy infrastructure? Because that's usually how Belt and Road Initiatives go. And I was thinking about this. The Commonwealth is a, is a good barrier, or at least a good defense against this kind of expansion that you see with Belt and Road in China, because China wants to come in. They want to take control of these rare earths. They would very and in, in, in exchange for you know infrastructure that falls apart if you look at it so i think this is something we need to bring up with our friend steve yates because i was thinking about this the entire time i was looking at this story i'm like why uh, why do i even care about i haven't talked about it i don't really talk about it because i don't do kind of i don't do oprah type com commentary i just don't i'm just that's not what interests me but i was thinking about you know this this a, a friend of a friend 
this retired British soldier and saying that his, you know, it's his dangerous to the Commonwealth if they're trying to destroy the Commonwealth or something like to that nature, that to that effect. And I just was thinking about that, like, well, that's actually, I understand a point being made here. So that's something I think that we should definitely explore later this year. Because think about it, though. I mean, think about all the, you know, for for smaller countries that rely on, you know, good relations with, you know, larger nations. I mean, this is, that's something that I think is incredibly important to, to stemmy the spread of communism, particularly when it's being offered in exchange for control of particular mineral rights or more in, uh, in, these, in these different countries. We have more to come. We have Florida Man on the way that you don't want to miss. And uh, I have a lot for Florida Man, too. So stick with us. We are back right after this. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. What does it say about society when Florida Man seems like the most normal person in America? I'm just wondering. Just So let's talk about this guy. Man, you've heard of the phrase, here, hold my beer? Okay, well, don't ever do this. Don't ever ask a five-month-old to do that, especially when you're throwing it on them during a drunken outburst. Okay, so this one is W-E-S-H. A man was thrown out of an Italian restaurant. It was a Florida man visiting Italy. And he threw an entire beer on a five-month-old baby in a stroller. The mother said, this baby was doing absolutely nothing wrong. I cannot believe these. this is a real story. It is, though. I swear to you. Restaurant management ran after the man. They took his picture. So apparently, the guy got into an argument. He was screaming at a family, saying their goodbyes on a sidewalk. And he tossed his beer on a five-month-old who was soaked in beer. And apparently, other restaurants in the area said that they had another a similar issue. But... So they, 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 I, I just, I can't even, be, or can't even believe this. Sorry, this is in Naples, Florida. What am I talking about? It was an, Ita- it was an Italian restaurant in Naples, Florida. He threw this, ba- he threw this, this, this beer on this baby. And then apparently there's like what, four or five. Cause I, I looked at the story and then I'm like, I want to know what other, apparently there's like five, four or five other restaurants that have had issues with this guy having outbursts and picking fights with people. So they're trying, the manager of Virginia's, this is the, the Eric Tancredi, who's the manager of this in Naples, he was saying that they're trying to run this guy down. How do you have this many issues with this guy? And you have pictures of him, and you don't, because that's assault. He throws a baby on a beer, that's assault. And the fact that it's a minor, wouldn't that be another charge? Something like that, yeah. So, and then isn't public intoxication, I don't know if that's a separate, another charge in Florida, but, you know, there you have it. A uh, Florida man was arrested after trying to burglarize a second gun store in three days. Jeremy Middleton is not the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's a tool nonetheless. He's facing multiple charges after a couple of different incidents. He tried to rob uh, the Arms for Defense shop in Clearwater and the Cicero's gun shop in Melbourne on Wednesday. The 24-year-old from Orlando was arrested Friday after the Pinellas County Sheriff said he was seen on video using an angle grinder to cut the doorknob off of the back door of Arms for Defense. He tried to run away in a black Honda Civic, but they caught him because you're not going to run away and you're not going to run away at all. Don't try to do that. It's actually dangerous. Uh, let's see this other I got a couple of other stories. Um, this is kind of crazy. This is WFLA. 
And this Florida man was arrested. He stole over $600,000, Pinellas County, worth of work orders from his employer over 10 years. He completed the work on the side and then pocketed the money using under his own company using his employer's equipment and materials. Mark Delano, 59, stole work orders from his employer, used all the equipment and materials to fill it, and then filed it all under his own company and pocketed the proceeds. And he collected a salary while he was doing this from said employer. He finally got caught last April, and now it's uh, there. He was arrested Tuesday and booked in Pinellas County Jail uh, on one scheme to defraud over 50000 So he was arrested this last, he was arrested uh, Tuesday and now, now here we are. So this was last week he was arrested. And so now that's why, you, I just don't know why people think that they're not going to get caught because they always get caught, always. It never, never, gosh, I'm not reading this one. I, oh, no, no, not going to do it. Uh, I know. So there I got to, I'm not reading this one either. Nope. Mm-mm. This mother, this this is crazy. This happened in a Walmart parking lot. A man passed out while waiting for his wife outside of Walmart. And his kids, I guess, somehow got out of the car and were wandering around the parking lot in diapers. So, and there's there's a photo of him passed out on the steering wheel. So, uh, he was arrested for child neglect. Customers outside of a Walmart alerted 911 after two little kids were wandering around the parking lot wearing diapers. They found... The dad, Dejun Killingbeck, 35, unconscious behind the wheel of a running car. He was supposed to be watching the two-year-old and three-year-old. One of the witnesses, because there's video footage, was saying they were half naked. Bystanders told the officers that the kids were nearly struck by one vehicle. Oh, by the way, it was also raining. So they were outside in their diapers in the rain. And the officer had yelled when they approached him, you know, what, wake up, what are you doing? Where are your kids? Do you have kids? I think we have your kids. They were, were, were united with their mom who was shopping inside Walmart. He's on, he's in Volusia County Jail, $16,000 bond. Boy, oh boy. Third hour next. Chip Roy's going to join us at the top. Stay with us. Welcome to the program. Dana Lash here with you, your lovable curmudgeon, top of our third hour. And we have... Uh, coming up here, he's on the floor actually right now, Congressman Chip Roy, who's going to be joining us. And he is there because they're they're a little bit behind schedule <laughs> after the speaker fight for the past week. So he's going to be joining us here uh, very shortly. A number of things to touch on. First and foremost, this story of remember the headline that I had for you yesterday? The armed diner in Houston at a taqueria who after this robber came in and was holding everyone you know was armed and later police said oh it looks like it was a fake gun of course it doesn't when you look at the video it doesn't look like it um this individual this armed individual who as he's watching this guy stick a gun in everybody's face and take their money and their phones and everything else he decides to draw down on this robber and shoot him the houston police department and he was i mean it's clearly self-defense and there's there's a couple of questions you can ask and i talked about this you know on twitter and we mentioned this the other day so he's he wasn't his name isn't public because he hasn't been arrested or charged with anything the houston police said that they wanted to talk with him he went in uh, to i don't like the way that 
media says, oh, he turned himself in and is cooperating. He doesn't have anything to turn himself in for. He just went to the police station to answer questions. And it was at Ranchito Number 4 Taqueria. It was near midnight. And the 30-year-old Eric Washington entered the business, uh, produced what appeared to be a gun, demanded everybody hand over their stuff. And, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. The the way that the anti-gun folks have situated any situation of self-defense is that you basically have to be killed first before you can consider self-defense. The attorney, and this guy does have an attorney. I kid you not. If they go after this guy, I will help with a GoFundMe. He has an attorney. The attorney said in fear of his life, uh, they, the police issued a public plea asking him to come forward just so they could talk to him about what happened. His attorney released a statement to ABC 13 saying he was in fear of his life and his friend's life. And he said he acted to protect everyone in the restaurant. He says it was in self-defense, defense of others, and in defense of property. So the case is going to be com- presented to a grand jury, and the grand jury is going to determine whether or not it was justified under Texas law. And so some people are, because are, I the video, I suggest that you don't watch the video because it does show somebody getting killed, even if it is justified self-defense. The... I think people are going to ask the question of at one point in the video, the assailant turned his back on the guy and there. And I'm sure it's going to come down to whether or not it was excessive force for this individual. But let me caution people. This is where I get aggravated. What in the ever loving hell do you think was going to happen when you have restorative justice? I mentioned this the other day in every single city. You have all of these restorative justice Soros back DA's. You have weak judges that reduce uh, sentencing, reduce penalties. Some DAs don't even charge. Some of them, they just drop charges altogether. And you have these repeat offenders who are back out on the street, violent individuals. When you refuse to uphold law and order, you are forcing citizens because this is what creates a society is law and order and people being able to live without fear of being killed in a taqueria by a, a, re, you know, a, a, a violent criminal that is coddled by the rotted judicial system. You are forcing citizens to do what you refuse to do. And it ends up in situations like this. If you want vigilanteism, this is how you get vigilanteism, by not upholding law and order. And then the same people who shove citizens in these positions have the balls-to-the-wall audacity to excoriate and impugn the characters of these people who did not want to be put in these situations. It's infuriating. Now, thankfully, thankfully, we have more people than ever before who are caring. I saw this story. Washington Post did this piece on what's-her-face, Shannon Watts. That's not even a real name. Um, back when, my, this was before Newtown, Michael Bloomberg had created a quote-unquote mom's website about uh, gun control, and he hired Monsanto's PR worker, watts to take over the group and they've they keep pushing this it's a fall it's a false grassroot narrative because it's not a grassroot thing well she's announcing that she's retiring today or whatever i guess she's seeing the same she's seeing the same dermatologist vladimir putin is anyway oh no no jury would convict me after this woman and i'm going to be very frank with you um i have 
no, I don't have respect for this woman, even as someone who uh, is is opposite me on self-defense in the Second Amendment. I think that she has been bitter. She's petty. She's bizarre, hateful, and incredibly unintelligent and unprofessional. I was very public about how she recruited my abusive biological father to help push women into disarmament. I have receipts for days. Do not come at me unless you want to get buried, rhetorically. Because I, I'm tired of this. This is like some of the stuff. There's so many things that I don't even talk about on air. But I just find it fascinating that media doesn't bother mentioning that abusive, that, that, that uh, 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 appeal to abuse. Yet at the same time, they always say the gun control uh, organizations say that this is all to protect women, it's all to protect families, but yet they do this stuff for their own personal political agendas at the expense of those families and at the expense of those women's safety and security. That's par for the course. So no love lost there. I feel like that gif from Tombstone when it's Curly Joe saying, well, bye. Yeah. All right, so that's all I had to say on that issue. Now, speaking of stuff on the floor, I just noticed, too, that apparently a concealed carry reciprocity bill had been introduced today. He just spoke. He just stepped off the floor from Texas. Congressman Chip Roy joins us on the phone now. Congressman, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Tell me about Do my eyes deceive me? Is that one of the is that one of the points of business that was introduced today, sir? I believe that's correct. I've been able to track all the bills that have been introduced yet today, but of course that's something that we believe in and want to go advocate for, and I'm sure we will be moving that forward. I literally just walked off the floor where we were advocating for the resolution we're going to vote on today, establishing the church-style committee on the weaponization of the federal government, uh, which will be under the Judiciary Committee under Jim Jordan. Uh, not 100% sure yet how he's decided to uh, organize that, but uh, we will be going after the, the uh, deep state and the, and the weaponized government, and it's a good thing. Yeah, no, very good thing indeed. I know we've been, I think people have been encouraged by in seeing how quickly some of these promises have been fulfilled. Uh, Adam Schiff, is, is he off the Intel Committee? Am I reading that correctly as well? I've, I read that uh, Swalwell people like Schiff have been removed from these committees and hopefully more people that, uh, you know, good elected officials that have respect for intelligence and, you know, law and order are going to be appointed to those seats. That is my understanding. That is what Kevin said this morning. I haven't seen the final paper on it, but I I would expect that they would be taken off of those committees. I think there's three that are uh, likely going to be blocked from being on those committees. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be broader than that, but certainly for sure the ones where they've jeopardized their ability to be trusted on them. The IRS, I know this is one of the things you and I've talked about before, uh, the IRS, new, the 87,000, uh, I know that a lot of that is there's only so, so many things that the House can do because this is kind of, you know, it's said it's been uh, it's been implemented. However, being that you all have the power of the purse, you can actually free some of that funding, repeal some of that funding. Tell us a little bit about the strategy for that, because that was uh, widely or widely promoted as being one of the first things that the House would do after November. So great question. So obviously we passed the bill last night uh, that would, uh, you know, pull back on those 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, The truth is the Senate Republicans who sold out America, who sold Mm -hmm. out the House majority uh, of Republicans uh, and frankly um, limited our ability to be able to use the power of the purse to go uh, end some of this abuse by the Biden administration when they cut their deal on this $1.7 trillion bill in December. It was shameful. They should not have done that. They did it. So now we have to wait until September before we can use the power of the purse 
to uh, stop a lot of these abuses. We passed the bill. We have no belief that Schumer will take it up. But we will make clear to the American people that we want to stop the full empowerment of the Internal Revenue Service to be used as a weapon against the federal government, for example, like they were when they went after my friend Bunny Pounds, who lives in the DFW area, like y'all, and was as an organization that was being uh, targeted uh, because they're religious. And literally, now we ended up winning that, but, but a lot of us had to come out and swing in defense of them. These are the kinds of things we need to stop. And uh, this, this committee is one step in doing that and passing that bill is another step in doing that. And we'll have these debates over the next year. Now, it'll be interesting to watch. And we're talking with Congressman Chip Roy, who's calling in. He just walked off the floor. Is the House going to be able to come together after the fight? Because it got nastier than I think most people ever have seen in, in terms of uh, choosing a speaker uh, for the party. I know that there was a lot of discussion about concessions. I know there were a lot of rules that were going to be changed over from Pelosi's time anyway. Um, but I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are from that. And what can you say to, to voters out there, uh, to people who just they're they're looking to see? I mean, they're looking at everything from oversight on, you know, Biden's relationship with China, uh, you know, what that what that means for uh, national security, energy security, as we as they try to push us towards this green agenda. They're talking about banning gas stoves today. What can you tell people uh, and to give them some kind of confidence about moving forward? Because every I don't think people are confident yet. Well, they should be. Uh, what happened last week is necessary. Uh, I said on uh, Jake Tapper on Sunday that a uh, little temporary conflict is necessary in a town to break the glass. It ain't pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, making the sausages, they say, up here ain't pretty. Yes, all of that was on full display, but that is a good thing. The American people now see that we care, that we're fighting, that we're trying to change this institution for them. There was a 180-degree turnaround among the pundit class, the so-called conservatives that were beating the, sh- the, the snot out of us. Uh, because <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Congressman. It's going to be some good sausage is what he's telling us. That's what it's going to yeah. be. And look, like we were getting, we were getting, you know, kicked around. Oh, you're clowns. You're doing whatever. And then suddenly people started saying, wait a minute, these guys have a point. You know, in December, December 8th, we put out a memo, dear colleague, in which we said, you know what? We want trust and accountability. We want the return of the motion to vacate that's been in their history for 200 years. We want bills to be able to, we want uh, measures to be able to see bills on the floor, 72 hours, single subject, et cetera. We don't want to have leadership playing in primaries and political, uh, you know, field to block out conservatives. We want conservative representation on committees, including the powerful rules committee. We want to end limitless spending. We want to have must pass bills be used to get actual change. And we want a church committee style uh, a church commission style committee against weaponized government. Guess what? Guess what the debate was all the way through Friday? Getting those things. Look, mm. we have to shake this place a little bit. Look, Kevin, we're all on board. Oh, I understand. I don't, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm going I'm to ask you about the church committee. Were some of those rules just changeovers that everyone had agreed to after Pelosi? Like the 72-hour thing? Because if I'm yeah. not mistaken, I know I'd heard about the 72-hour rule some time ago about that yeah, being changed of course of course in fact there were 72 hours that was already in the democrat rules they just weren't enforcing it all of this mm-hmm. is about enforcement yeah. dana look okay. we weren't going to get the vast majority of things if those five individuals hadn't said they weren't going to support kevin unless things changed so all the people kicking the crap out of my friends out of bob good and matt rosendale and andy biggs and um you know those uh, uh, ralph norman those who stood up on the wall I'm going to defend them. They're my brothers. We stood up and we had 20 strong last week who said, you know what? This place has to change. And last Mm -hmm. Tuesday, we had a borderline mob Republican conference that tried to come after us. They threatened us that they're going to take us off committee. And you know what? We fought through the week. And this weekend, Matt Gates 
and Mike Rogers. They kind of made amends. They tweeted, hey, we'll support each other. This morning, I shook Mike's hand. So let's work together. Good. I took Newt Gingrich to task last week. He and I talked yesterday. This morning, we had a conference meeting, and we were united. United to go stand up against Democrats with the now tools that we have to go execute and a commitment Those that we good did things. not have before to limit spending, yeah. cap spending at 22 levels, and make sure that we can fight for the American people. We are excited. I feel like... I was going to say, I feel like maybe and we're talking with Congressman Chip Roy uh, and we're going to get going here in a minute. But I feel after seeing some of the some of the video and some of the photos, because uh, I know I saw a congressman. It was Hudson who was behind Rogers and he yeah. went to intervene in something and he grabbed his face. We yeah. got it. We got to show Congressman Hudson the proper way to intervene in something, because I thought either Hudson's hand is really huge or Rogers head's really small. It was a weird photo. Well, it's kind of funny. Look, those kinds of conflicts. <laughs> That's okay. Look, you should have seen this place in the in the 19th century. You should have seen it. Oh yeah, I've heard. I've read about the history. Look, just nobody got caned. Cam- just because we have the cameras rolling doesn't mean we shouldn't go ahead and right. wipe this out. That's what we were hired to do. Then you I gotta be honest. It was up. it was an unlike anything I've seen at a family reunion. So you know, I mean, exactly. I gotta I gotta I gotta be honest about that. One last really super fast quick question. I know you got to get going, Congressman, as we do too. The Church Committee, really quickly on uh, government overreach. Tell us about that because I find this fascinating and a step in the good direction. I know I think Massey's on that committee. Well, we'll see on who's going to be populated on it. I'm guessing Thomas will be on it, and it'll probably be under Jim Jordan. We're voting on it here shortly. We are debating it just now. The Democrats are apoplectic about it because they know that we're, we're, we're on the strike zone, you know, that we've got our bullseye on the target. And we are, um, we are going to be able to empower people on this committee to go target the weaponization of government, whether it was the school boards colluding with the Biden administration to target parents, mm-hmm. whether it's the IRS targeting people like I just described, whether it's the... Uh, uh, intel agencies and their information, whether it's FBI, uh, you know, colluding with big tech. All of these things are things that should concern all of us on both sides of the aisle. We're going to go after the empowerment of the federal government. We're going to expose it, and then we're going to figure out how to dismantle it through defunding and through uh, the kinds of tools that we can deploy to force the fight. The American people need to know this, and importantly, the the, the COVID abuses, the COVID tyranny, shutting mm-hmm. down our economy, forced masking, forced needles. we got to expose the truth, not just the origin the whole truth. And that's what we're going to be trying to do with all of our committees, but particularly this one. There we go. Congressman Chip Roy from the great Republic of Texas. Congressman, we appreciate your fight. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to watch and see what happens. Thank you, sir. God bless you and the whole team. Take mm-hmm. care. Yes, sir. We have more to come, folks, as we wrap up and go into headlines coming up next. You don't want to miss it. Stick with us. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. Almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> like if, is there a conspiracy theory about Twitter that didn't turn out to be true? Uh, so far, they've all turned out to be true. And if not, uh, more true than people thought. Yeah, well, he's not wrong. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of our third hour. He's not wrong about any of this. I mean, it's it's so many. I do wish, though, that he was i think that he needs to clear a lot more house for real because the shadow banning and all of that still continues it's 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 absolutely ridiculous but we are learning really just how far the government has gone to control speech it's newspeak really this was interesting too this 
is now it's spreading on. It's the World Health Organization, their office for Europe. And they have their vaccine crisis communication manual. It's a step-by-step guidance for national immunization programs. And it covers all kinds of stuff. And really what's what I found most interesting about this is that by way of uh, the Webernuts, is that they have how to assessing when and how to communicate with what they say are people who are essentially coronavirus vaccine deniers. And it tells you everything, the guides on how to say it, everything. And even like a, uh, they said even a public statement by a journalist and politician is scripted in here by way of, uh, and I've, I'm, I'm going to retweet this on social media too. And it's, it's, it's wild. When you have no or very limited information, you know, when, when more is known about the event, I mean, they give you, it tells you exactly how to talk to people about the coronavirus quote unquote vaccine if they disagree with it. It's wild. It, it, they, it, it's just really, at this point, this is, again, this is political science, not science science. So they have responding to the acceptor, like the people who accept the narrative about the coronavirus vaccine. They say, uh, keep the conversation brief and straightforward. Screen for contradictions and precautions. Prevent hesitancy by addressing questions, if any. Uh, And they say that explain the process and protective behavior still necessary post-vaccination to prevent virus transmission. When they say responding to the refuser, They tell you the goal is to build trust and engagement. Keep the conversation brief. Don't dismiss and avoid confrontation. Uh, Be persistent. Give your strong, and this is bolded, give your strong recommendation to vaccinate. Share expert information. Uh, Leave the door open for discussion. It's weird, though, because most people don't do this. But still, I mean, the fact that this is how it's treated, and then they have responding to vaccine hesitancy using motivational interviewing. I mean, this is so, it's so ridiculous. All of everything is so scripted. Response to vocal vaccine denier. They have those in there. They literally and then they literally have like what happens if if one of the side effects is a fatality? Well, you you gaslight the hell out of them. That's what those talking points apparently. This is crazy. I sent this you saw this game, right? Yeah. This is it seems like uh, the bouncers at Twitter were following the WHO guidelines on this. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a playbook to protect. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to call it a vaccine anymore. I'm just going to call it. I know some people say clot shot, which come on. I don't. They do. You've not heard that. They've said it. Still makes me laugh. I just mad. I didn't come up with it. They say clot shot. What about profit shot? I like that because that's what, look, I only get aggravated at the people who insist that I have to have this thing because it works when the CDC came out and said that it doesn't prevent, you know, the transfer, doesn't prevent virus transfer, doesn't, doesn't actually invoke immunity, doesn't create any kind of immunity. That's the, those are the only, I don't care if somebody wants to do something themselves, but don't sit here and try to gaslight me about, about stuff. 
but it's their it's their pandemic response playbook. It's like a it is I and the scripting is so weird. It's the the way they tell you how to talk is so weird. I feel like I'm I they have an entire script for the media on this. Preparing for a vaccine crisis, how to and they give you high potential impact, medium potential impact, low potential impact. Routine communication. Start developing messages. Share them with key stakeholders, spokespersons, and partners. Where appropriate, start communicating with selected audience, but not yet to a wider audience for medium potential impact, Kane. That's medium potential impact. Right? So it's like a, it's like screwed up Cortana. And then, I, I, I don't know. This is wild. I just really want to read it and make fun of it. That's really all I want to do in a robot voice. This is what, it's our, It's just wild. I don't have any other words for you. I'm going to retweet this and you can read along with it. But the fact that you, that people can even come up with their own, you can even articulate your own reasoning that you had to, that people would actually rely on this. I mean, it makes you think that it's, I mean, it's all scripted TV at this point. That's all it is. It's a communications guide step-by-step to gaslight people into believing that this works. Like, here's some of the, like the, the, you would tell people, oh, no, it's not a debate. I'm just focusing on concerns. Hey, this is my strong recommendation. I just wanted to inform you about risk. (laughs) That's the, this is the language. But you have to be persistent. This is all so fascinating. Fascinating indeed. But nobody's shocked by it. This goes down to, it's it's just the the issue of control. You know how earlier I talked about the gas stove ban? The appliance manufacturers are now pushing back. The Association for Home Appliance Manufacturers, they, they, they released a statement saying, there's simple steps people can take. I gotta, can I read this paragraph? Okay. Now remember, we're talking about the Biden administration that, is pushing this, well, all your kids are going to die if you have a gas stove. They're all going to die from the gas. It's going to kill them all. They're all going to die because gas is dangerous. So they're trying to get everybody to ban gas stoves. The Association for Home Appliance Manufacturers released a statement saying, there are simple steps consumers can take while they're cooking, such as opening a window, turning on a ceiling fan, or using a range hood to mitigate any harmful emissions. I, I just can't. And then you have, what's his face, Richard Trumka Jr. This is his quote. Any option is on the table. Gas stoves are a hidden hazard. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. I'm going to ban your face. No, I... <laughs> Ban everything that is unsafe. It's more affordable, but it's not electric. They want everything electric. They want everything electric. And of course, it's the EPA and WHO that are pushing this stuff. And it's this administration's like, oh, golly gee. You know, we should eliminate all the most affordable ways of ener- to having energy. And, by- and gas is, 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 is any kind of emission is safer and cleaner than that, which, which is used to excavate and extract everything used for electric if you really want to have that conversation but what i want to know is what the hell kind of parent is making dinner are you shoving your kid's head in the oven like what are you doing 
What what are what are people doing? How are they doing this? Doesn't make any sense. Are they are they putting their kids head? How was this this? I don't know how they're cooking. I've never had an issue. You've never had an issue. You've gas stove. We grew up with gas stoves. Like we we didn't have any electric stoves growing up. Every single one of the houses we ever lived in was a gas stove appliance. You know and what else? Gas is, furnaces. You know what else is dangerous? Abortions are dangerous for kids too. Super dangerous. Did you know the fatality rate? I mean, they're like more dangerous it's, than the gas stoves. One hundred percent. So dangerous. I wanted to. Uh, I have you guys heard about this? I think it's been out, but it was one of the things that Debt Waters had sent to me. And I was howling with laughter because we're talking about the language and using language and using all this stuff. Uh, the, I'm pulling the, forgive me, I'm like juggling all my, I'm like, where's my mail? Where's my thing? I'm going to pull this up. So the, the CDC, they wanted to control, they want to control language. And so they've brought up the, the, this like weird guide. It's called their preferred terms. I mentioned this yesterday for select population groups and communities. And so they say things like instead of saying uh, parolee, say persons on parole. Yeah. Or uh, they say instead of saying homeless persons experiencing homelessness. It's this is how I'm not making this up. It's how ridiculous this is. Instead of saying uh, poverty stricken, say people experiencing poverty. Or illegal immigrant people with undocumented status. You know what? If we're, that's actually an issue of law and order, not politics. And what about instead of saying thief, you could say person in possession of unpurchased item. Or like Doom Eternal, instead of saying demon, you could say mortally challenged entity of the spiritual realm. No, they didn't say that. I'm saying that. I'm giving them suggestions, right? Or instead of saying murderer, you could say person who concludes the life of another person. Right? I'm just saying. Or instead of saying government mandated injection that doesn't transfer immunity, they could say vaccine. See how that works? So, all good things. All good things. I know. We have uh, today's stupidity on the way. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, chapter and verse. All kinds of good stuff up there. I'm going to include that, those talking points, too, from the CDC stuff on the vaccine with that. Which brings me to this. This is Audio Soundbite 17. It's a flashback from 2021. And it's this this FDA panel member, uh, this guy named Dr. Eric Rubin, and he Nancy Pelosi's this talking point about the quote unquote vaccine. Listen to this soundbite. We're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. That's how we found out about rare complications of other vaccines like the rotavirus vaccine. And I I do think that we are going to I I do think we should vote to approve it. Wow. That was right before they voted to approve it to uh-huh. be put on the kids' schedule, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not going to know how safe it is until we start giving it. So let's just see what happens to your kids. Now we know. Yeah, now we know. Let's just see what happens to young men. Let's just see. This is wild, man. 
Uh, that's not medicine. That's, um, well, I have some words as to what it is, but it's not that. With all of this, the fact that there's any ill will towards anyone who has hesitancy or just outright refusal is just, it's just, I, I just don't, I think that those people who oppose that are just narrow-minded. Narrow-minded. I, I mean, I don't have any other word for it. It's wild, right? And it's so incredibly frustrating. There's still people I don't talk to because of this. Not by my choice. It was by their choice. I'm not good enough to talk to if even though I had the virus already, I didn't get the injection. I didn't get the government injection. So people were just like, I mean, they, they thought that the bending the knee to, to this with this performative theater was more important than maintaining friendships. Mm. How many people can say that? There's so many. That's the sad thing. A lot. I'm like in no way unique in this. There are a lot, a lot of people can say that. I thought this was about health and I thought that this was also about, you know, what happened to the whole my body, my choice thing. This exactly. is about health. It's frustrating because it was the media and politicians that were causing the intentional division on this because even if you look back to twenty late 2020, early 2021, we didn't know anything about this vaccine, mm-hmm. whether or not it was going to be effective or not. But the push to force it on everyone and prove, or not prove, but at least convince you that it was safe and effective was their only effort during that time. Yeah, that was it. And nobody made an effort to answer any, you know, any kind of question. I like when they did the daily briefings with everything. And then when Biden got into office, they stopped having all everybody up there and making a thing about it, you know. But I, I you can't blame people for having hesitancy in before an issue in which no actual real information other than trust us trust the government you know because the government has never done any kind of experiments on people related to health or anything like that particularly men right never never ever you can trust your government that's like the most orwellian terrifying phrase i think ever but when people didn't then it was looked at as as like misbehavior they were out of line oh they these people are the Oh, they're, they're, uh, they're the problem. These people are the problem. They're the agitators because they're refusing to submit. Well, people just, I mean, it, there were a lot of people who I think were just kind of middle of the road on stuff and they just wanted to have some questions answered, like how it related to, you know, their, their hormones or if they had other, uh, you know, issues in which this might exacerbate those and create an actual serious real adverse reaction no one was you even asking the question you you got excoriated just for asking the question all right today in stupidity kane all right it's going to be chuck schumer um he was out there just like pelosi was trying to blame MAGA republicans for the problems with the irs i'm so tired of that phrase it's just republicans i know so here he is saying that man if we follow the hard right MAGA. Republicans, this is what will happen. Listen to this. There are a good number of Republicans and conservative-leaning independents who said, I'm a Bush Republican. I'm a Reagan Republican. I am not this Republican and voted for our candidates. And I hope that this election is a little bit of a signal to the Republican uh, new majority in the Senate that if they follow the hard, hard right, the MAGA right, it's sort of like following Thelma and Louise over the cliff. Mm-hmm. Oh, for yeah. crying out loud. Yes, that's so ridiculous and by the way what a throwback movie i was like in elementary it's how long that guy's been in office folks have a great night